Hi, and welcome to episode three of Christmas Book Review with me, Carrie Mercer. So this episode, I've got a bunch of books for you, including six picture books. So I'll just go through the titles really quick to let you know what I'm going to review. The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand was a teen novel. I loved this book. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. And then the first picture book was Sid Hoff's Danny and the Dinosaur, A Very Dino Christmas. This was awful. I gave it a 3 out of 10. The next picture book is Pete the Cat's 12 Groovy Days of Christmas by Kimberly and James Dean. I loved this book. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. It's perfect. The next picture book is Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree by Robert Barry. That one was okay. I'm giving it a 6 out of 10. It's not great. The next one is Fly Guy's Ninja Christmas by Ted Arnold. That one was really good. I'm giving that one a 7 out of 10. Next is Cooking with the Grinch by Tish Rabe. I'm giving that an 8 out of 10. That was really nicely done. And the last picture book is How to Catch Santa by Jean Reagan. Eh, it's okay. Not not super great. I'm giving it a 5 out of 10. And then I have a novel for adults. It's called Hidden Sea, A Tale of the Once and Future Nutcracker by Gregory Maguire of Wicked Fame and other fairy tale retellings. Oh, I was so disappointed in this book. I gave it a 5 out of 10. So let's get into the individual books. Okay, so let me tell you about the first book. This one is The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand. It is a teen fiction novel published in 2017 by HarperCollins. So, meet Holly Chase. She is dead and working for Project Scrooge, a company that chooses a Scrooge at the beginning of each year and works all year to figure out how to save that person from their fate. So the people at Project Scrooge have to find analogs in the Scrooge's life to all the important characters in Charles Dickens' classic tale, A Christmas Carol. This means the people at Project Scrooge have to find who is their Marley, their Belle, their Fezziwig, their Bob Cratchit, and their Tiny Tim. Holly works as the spirit of Christmas past and has a team of people, also presumably dead, who help her find the analog she needs from the Scrooge's past. Holly is not thrilled with her job. She's only here because she was a failed Scrooge from seven years ago. She was only 16, but already wealthy, selfish, and basically alone. She didn't believe the ghosts when they came to her, and so she died on Christmas Day instead of changing. Now she gets a tiny apartment, a meager salary, and she is still dead, so she won't grow any older. She just resets to 16 years old every day. And so she can't really make any friends. She just has to live on the down low. Enter Stephanie, an intern who has been made Holly's assistant by her boss. Even though Holly doesn't want an assistant and didn't request one. So she's kind of stuck with Stephanie. 
So she just sends her on ridiculous errands and makes her get fancy coffee, just tries to keep her out of her way. Then enter this year's Scrooge, Ethan Winters. He's young, like Holly, in fact, the same age that she was when she died, and he's lost a parent, he's wealthy, selfish, and bitter, very much like Holly was, and kind of still is. And he's hot. Holly is immediately a little too interested in him. She can't stand it, so she decides she has to see him. At first, she just observes him, but then she starts interacting with him, making friends with him, and flirting. But she has to be mysterious because she can't let him know that A, she's dead, and B, who she really is. She has to hide this from her co-workers that she's seeing Ethan because she is definitely not supposed to interact with him until Christmas Eve and then only as the ghost. Things get out of control as she gets more intimate with Ethan and he gets more frustrated with her seeming elusiveness. Then she worries that she's going to screw up his chances for changing his ways before Christmas Day. This book is a little slow in the middle, but it has a great ending. How she gets out of this mess is quite interesting, not what I expected at all. Suffice it to say that I cried at the end, so it really got to me. So I'm giving this a 9 out of 10. Solid Christmas spirit. So now I'm going to tell you about these six picture books that I read for kids. The first one is called... Sid Hoff's Danny and the Dinosaur, A Very Dino Christmas. It's by Bruce Hale and published by HarperCollins in 2017. And this is an easy reader for first level readers. It's got very few words in it. So I'm going to give this one a 3 out of 10. Um, it's junk food, basically. It's not bad. It's just not great. <laughs> um, it doesn't really have a Christmas message. The publisher is just cashing in on the name recognition of the beloved classic, Danny and the Dinosaur, which I read when I was a kid. But the story is really weak. The story is that the dinosaur is not familiar with Christmas, so Danny agrees to show the dinosaur how you celebrate Christmas. And this involves basically decorating the museum where the dinosaur lives. The decorations are unique to the museum, which is kind of cool, but they have nothing to do with Christmas, except for the red and green paper chains, um, which I kind of liked because paper chains are probably the most recognizable symbol of Christmas decor that a young child would be familiar with. It's like one of those crafts that you always do in school around Christmas. The museum director gets mad at the dinosaur for making a mess in the museum, but then he has to take it back because museum visitors love the decorations. So then you get to the end of the story and after the museum director has changed his mind, he gets a real Christmas tree instead of leaving the dinos, the dinosaur's decorations up. And I felt like this kind of ruined it because the whole, 
uniqueness of the dinosaurs decorations were the interesting thing and then they just put up a boring christmas tree that has nothing to do with dinosaurs okay so i know i'm being really picky <laughs> um but really okay any kid who loves dinosaurs and or danny and the dinosaur the original will probably gobble up this book so you know take my review for what it's worth to you Okay, so the second book is Pete the Cat's 12 Groovy Days of Christmas by Kimberly and James Dean, published in 2018 by HarperCollins. And this one is a picture book. I loved this book. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. Um, as you would probably expect from the title, the structure follows the 12 Days of Christmas song, only instead of my true love gave to me, it's Pete gave to me. And me is a different friend for each verse, which you can tell by looking at the pictures. There's no specific me for the first verse, but the gift is a road trip to the sea. This means Pete is driving a yellow VW van to the sea. And with each verse, another friend is added as a passenger to the van, along with their gift. For example, Pete's friend, the frog, with the John Lennon glasses, gets four far-out surfboards. Stuff like that. And at the end of each refrain, there's a groovy with an exclamation point, which I just loved. This is the kind of book I would not have minded reading over and over to my kid, and I think you probably won't mind either. It's really fun. And it's got a great spirit of Christmas message about friends getting together and giving gifts to your loved ones. So the next one is called Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree by Robert Berry. This was published by Doubleday, and it was actually originally published in 1963, and then he renewed the copyright and did new illustrations for the 2000 edition. And it is a picture book, not an easy reader. I give this one 6 out of 10. Uh, Mr. Willoughby, the story is Mr. Willoughby gets his tree delivered and it's just a wee bit too tall to fit where he wants it. So his butler chops off the top and gives it to the upstairs maid, who in turn finds it just a wee bit too tall for her, so she chops off the tip and throws it out, then the gardener finds that tip, and so on down through several animals, ending with a mouse. It's a really cute idea, and the line drawings are fun and colorful, but the author's insistence on making the text a series of rhyming couplets is really unfortunate, as many of the rhymes just are very forced and awkward. They do not roll off the tongue. So I think this would be really annoying to read aloud, which with picture books, I'm always really conscious of how the text is going to sound read aloud. So eh, I can't recommend this one very highly. The next one is called Fly Guys Ninja Christmas by Ted Arnold, 
published by Scholastic in 2016. This is an easy reader. I give this one a 7 out of 10. It's a cute story about Fly Guy, who is this cute fly with these big eyes, and he has more than a dozen other books in his series. This one is about his friend Buzz, which is easy for Fly Guy to say, Buzz, as he mostly says words that end in Z. He learns about Christmas from Buzz, who says, Santa comes and we give each other presents, which is a nice simple message for a small child to get about Christmas, of giving gifts to loved ones. So Fly Guy meets Santa, who helps him with his quest to find a present to give to his friend Buzz. Buzz also has huge eyeballs like Fly Guy, so it's pretty cute. I would say this is fun for any kid who likes this Fly Guy series and or likes ninjas, because ninjas do play into it near the end. So the next one is called Cooking with the Grinch by Tish Rabe, published in 2017 by Random House. I give this an 8 out of 10. I really liked it. It is an easy reader, again, at the first level of reading. So there's only a few words per page. The illustrations are all in the style of Dr. Seuss. You can't really tell the difference. They're done by Tom Brannon. The story is about the Grinch and Cindy Lou Who getting ready for Christmas by making dog biscuits for the dog Max's present. The rhyming is really fun. It's very much in the style of Dr. Seuss, and only one is a little bit forced, but the rest of them are good. Easy to read, roll off the tongue, very much like Dr. Seuss's original. There's also a simple recipe inside the back cover for pumpkin dog biscuits that I might actually try for my dogs, since it's so easy. Me and my son could probably make these. So the last one is called How to Catch Santa by Jean Reagan, illustrated by Lee Wildish. This is a picture book. It's published by Knopf, came out in 2015. I give it a 6 out of 10. It's a fun read, but ultimately it's a little disappointing because the the brother and sister in the story don't actually catch Santa, which, you know, it's how to catch Santa, so you would think they catch him. But it says near the end, obviously you have to be asleep for Santa to come, so how can you catch him? But there are some really funny suggestions, like leaving Santa riddles that he has to wake you up for to get the answers to, things like that. One layout has a bunch of questions you might want to ask Santa once you catch him, like, how do you squeeze down the chimney? And what about houses with no chimneys? How do you find kids who are away on trips? Um, even though this is really cute, I would just be prepared as a parent to have to answer some of these questions when you read this to your child. <laughs> because I'm sure they'll ask you, hey, that's a good question. There are fun illustrations of Santa and the two kids devising ways to catch Santa, but eh, I kind of give this a meh. That's my six out of ten, a meh. So I have one more book to tell you about for this episode. It is called 
Hidden Sea, A Tale of the Once and Future Nutcracker by Gregory Maguire. It was published in 2017 by William Morrow. So I give this one a 5 out of 10. I was really disappointed with it. I keep trying to like Gregory Maguire stuff. I love the idea of retelling a fairy tale or creating an origin story for a beloved character, which is his thing, but I seem to always be disappointed. Maguire is just weird. He makes the characters unlikable, and they just seem to live these nasty, brutish lives. If there's any magic at all, it's just very creepy. So, um, so the story starts with this boy living with an old man and an old woman who don't have names. He is called Dirk, and the old man and old woman are not his parents. They seem to have found him in the woods in a basket. Do they love him? Do they cherish him? No, not really. Not like some fairy tales where the childless couple is overjoyed to find a baby they can care for. So at one point, the old man takes Dirk out in the woods, ostensibly to teach him to cut down a tree, because the old man is a woodcutter by trade. But there's something hinky going on, and you get the idea that the old man has really taken Dirk into the forest to kill him. So Dirk is trying to cut down a tree, and he loses his grip on the axe, and it flies into the old man's leg. So Dirk cuts down the tree to make a crutch for the man. He finishes cutting down the tree to make a crutch for the man so that they can get home, because he knows if they stay out there, they'll die, and he doesn't know his way back home. So anyway... He cuts down the tree, and it somehow falls on him, crushing him, and he is dead. The trees then seem to bring him back to life with one eye glued shut, but they say he is unwelcome in the realm of the dead because he chopped down the tree, so he makes some kind of deal with this homunculus, this little creature, who helps him carve a crutch for the old man. It's very confusing. So that anyway, they give him life again, basically to get rid of him because they don't want him in the land of the dead, which is just so weird. So later when they get home, the old woman is arguing with the old man about why he brought the boy back, why he didn't kill him. And the boy overhears this. The man says, they can feed his body to their hog, which is gross, but he says he didn't want to waste it by leaving it out in the forest. Once the boy overhears this, he decides he needs to leave. So he leaves the old man and woman who are actually scared of him because they know he came back from the dead. So he takes the crutch so that the old man can't follow him when he leaves. He brings his knife, uh, which has the homunculus on the end of it. Uh, it's weird. And the homunculus is telling him things as he's running away, including that if he goes into town, 
out of this forest, then he, then the homunculus can't go with him because like the magic of the forest can't leave the forest or something like that. The boy feels like he has to keep going. So he finds a village and this minister takes him in and Dirk becomes his apprentice for several years. So this takes place in Bavaria in the early 1800s, and the minister and the people in the village are Calvinist, and they're quickly being outnumbered by Roman Catholics. And because of this, there's a scuffle when some visiting Catholics start arguing with villagers, and the Catholics break into the church overnight. Father Albrecht, the minister who has taken Dirk in, wants advice on what to do about this. So he sends Dirk with a complaint to the Roman bishop in Mearsburg. So when Dirk arrives in Mearsburg, he finds that the bishop has relocated and is staying with a baron's family across this lake. Dirk meets a musician in town, Felix, who's actually a friend of the baron's son, and they will stay friends for the rest of Felix's life. There's some question as to whether Felix is gay and attracted to Dirk, but it's never revealed clearly. Dirk gets distracted from his mission since he can't seem to get in to see the bishop, so Dirk becomes an apprentice to this printer and also takes care of his boys. He's kind of a babysitter to the the printer's sons. And he falls in love with, or he's secretly in love with, the printer's wife. And there's this strange episode where the printer is leaving town for business, and he asks Dirk to keep watch over his wife because she sleepwalks and could hurt herself. So he does that, and he ends up talking to her while the printer is gone. So the wife says that they have something in common in that they are both exiled from something long ago. In his case, it's the magic forest. In hers, it seems to be a childhood that was cut short. So Dirk does keep watch over her at night so that she doesn't leave the house and hurt herself somehow. And the printer stays away longer and longer. He's got more and more delays. Dirk and the printer's wife become friends, really. At one point, Mesmer gets worked into the story so that the wife is brought to him to be mesmerized or sort of hypnotized to find out what it is she's looking for in her sleepwalk so that if she can find it, maybe she won't sleepwalk anymore is the idea. But that doesn't work and she just ends up feeling more sad about her lost childhood. And then at some point she decides that the boys need to go visit their uncle and wants to send Dirk with the boys, even though he's supposed to stay and watch over her. Well, he does finally go, unfortunately, because then she sleepwalks and something happens to her. And then later the The physical object of the Nutcracker is finally worked into the story as this memento or toy that he wants to give the boys before he leaves um, because he feels bad about what happened to their mother. They don't really want it, 
It seems to mean more to him than to them. So time passes, and then later he meets up with Felix again, and by this time he's become a toy maker, and he makes, among other things, nutcrackers. So he becomes sort of a godfather to Felix's children, including a daughter named Clara, finally, but not much happens with these children. It's really too late in the story for there to be some special connection with Clara. I really did not feel satisfied with this story at all. It didn't feel like there was really any Christmas spirit. I'll give it points for using a beloved Christmas character, but I really don't get what this take is that Maguire is doing with the Nutcracker. So, bleh. Five out of ten. So that's going to be it for this episode. So I hope if you're enjoying this podcast that you'll leave me a nice review on iTunes. That'll help other people find the podcast. And I've got an email now if you want to send me suggestions of books to read or send me books to read or just chat. My email is christmasbookreview at gmail.com. And Christmas Book Review is all one long blob. So thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Happy reading! Happy reading!